Welcome to the Grandmother Podcast. Just a brief reminder while it's up in front of you to please leave a five-star rating if you enjoy the show. And if you're feeling generous, to subscribe and to leave a review as well. We love your feedback and it goes a long way towards helping the algorithms and getting us out to more people. And for more, you can follow along at Grandmother Podcast on Instagram. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello. This is okay. Lady from Brooklyn. <laughs> so, I think you should first explain the story of your shorts. <laughs> well, you can't show with a microphone. What happened with your shorts? Tell the story of why they have patches. Do you want to know about my shorts? Because yeah, I want to know why they have patches. Your mother really hates it because she thinks I look ridiculous because I'm 88 years old and I'm wearing patched pants. And I look too cute for <laughs> such an old lady. I think you look very cute, but why do they have patches? Well, I had one pair of shorts that fit very well, and they came from The Gap. So I called The Gap and I said, do you happen to have a size such and such in jeans shorts on sale? And she said, yes, I have two in your size, and they're left over, and they're the last two I'll send them to you. And I gave her my address, and she did. And they arrived with holes all over the shorts. So I called, and I said, why did you send me damaged damaged wear? And she said, well, put one pair of shorts next to the other and see if all the holes are exactly in the same place on both shorts, on either shorts. So I said, yes, there's one over the rear end and one over the pocket. And I went over the whole thing and each pair of shorts had the same holes in the same place. So she said, well, they're supposed to look like that. So she said, if you don't like them, you can send them back or I can reduce them from $49 for each pair to $12 a, a pair of shorts. So I said, okay, I'll pay you $12. That's perfect. I'll just patch up the, the holes. And I did. And I went into my little bag of pretty little pieces of fabric, which I always keep in my home. And I took out all sorts of very colorful little pieces of fabric and I made patches and I sewed the patches onto my shorts. And I don't think you can see them. No, they look great. They look like you bought them that way. All right. So there I am. And Jamie thinks that I'm too old to wear. You're never too old to wear flower patches on your shorts. (laughs) So that's the story about my patchy shorts. Okay. So now we'll get to the real stuff. Oh, okay. Okay, So that really wasn't very important. I think it's important. Everything you say is important. Okay. Okay. So I obviously know who you are, but... The people listening to this podcast don't. So, may I just ask you a question? I'm supposed to look at you when I when you. You can look wherever you want. Okay, here we are. Hi. Okay. So, tell me a little bit about yourself. You know, what's your name? Where did you grow up? Where were you born? What oh, was your upbringing like? Oh, we're really doing this whole thing. Okay. My name is Carol. It was Carol Joan Ryman. 
When I got married to Grandpa, it became Carol Joan Rosen. I am now 88 years old. Looking, looking not a day over 60. There you go. Okay, I'm with the right person today. Yes, and I was born in Brooklyn, and I spent my, my whole growing up years in Brooklyn. My parents had a very pretty little summer home in Peekskill, New York, which I adored. And my brother and I loved being out in the greenery with a beautiful garden. And he and I learned how to garden from a wonderful old man whose name was Mr. Warm. And he would come every day and tend the garden. And he was an old-fashioned farmer. He used to come with these big baggy overalls and a great big straw hat. And he looked like he came right out of a beautiful picture book that I had as a child. And I loved Mr. Warm. And he taught me how to plant all the flowers in my parents' garden. And he taught me how to plant the vegetables. And that is how I became a gardening nut because <laughs> I love to put things in the soil and make things grow. And it was Mr. Warm. I didn't know that. Oh, he had a terrible thing growing on his face underneath one eye. <laughs> and I think it was a cancerous tumor oh. that he got from the sun. And he died from that. That's not but, good. No, but I, I, I remember him with such love and such care because he taught me how to feel the soil and put things in the ground and tamp down the ground around the soil and that's why I love gardening because of Mr. He, he never had a first name. He was, was just Mr. Mr. Warm. warm. And I have warm feelings about Mr. Aww. Warm. Mr. Warm with his overalls. I I still I can still picture him. And what were your mom and dad like? Oh, my mom, her name was Rose. She was very, very beautiful. She was very beautiful. And she was a remarkable pianist. And her family was a very, she came from a very musical family because we have all professional musicians in my mother's family. But nobody had, they didn't have enough money to give music lessons to my mother or her sister, Rebecca, Aunt Beck, we called her. I didn't know her name was Rebecca. Her name was Rebecca. She was Aunt Beck. And Aunt Beck was a, an accomplished pianist. So she got the music lessons, but my mother used to sit in on the music lessons. And because she was listening very carefully, she became a very accomplished pianist. Hmm. What Learned about your dad? And my dad, also very musical, he had a beautiful singing voice. And he used to sing with a men's choir. And they called themselves, what do they call them? Seven, there were seven of them. They were called Seven Russian Rummies. And they all were. And they would sing, Where's Seven Russian Rummies? Russian rum for rum. Hey! And they were a Russian singing group. And they all wore Cossack shirts and they gave concerts during the summer when we lived we lived in peak school during the summer and they gave concerts to everybody on saturday nights and they would sing all dressed up like russian cossacks and my mother played the piano wow and it's wild that you have so many memories i mean your dad passed away when you were only 13 I you have 13. all of these memories yeah. of him i was 13 and my brother was eight and when we lost him, it changed everything, everything in our lives. It was, a, it was the most heartbreaking, traumatic thing in my whole life. Until I, lost, until I lost grandpa. And he died in the bedroom right next to mine. I, was, I had the flu and I was sick in bed and I can hear my mother crying in the next bedroom. And my father had a heart attack in the bedroom, and he was gone. But he, he was marvelous. He had a wonderful pepper and salty, a wonderful mustache. And he was, he was very musical. He was an attorney, and he, he made 
such a wonderful life for us that he made it possible for us to continue and go to college. And he did it in such a way, he was also an accountant besides wow. being an attorney. So he was very, very wise and very smart. And it's because of that that we, it, our lives weren't completely destroyed. But he definitely had a special place in, uh, in your heart. Yeah. Very, Still does. Very, 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 very important. And my brother and I really struggled. So we struggled losing him. But the world turned around and, and my brother's life turned around and became okay. And he's, he also became an attorney. So oh, wow. because of my dad. Yeah. And so before we kind of move into, you know, the second chapter of your life, I think you need to share a little bit about the place you went to high school because it had some of the most interesting people in the world. It still is a famous high school in my town. I, I, I was in Brooklyn. It's a very famous high school because it produced very f- famous people. It encouraged people to think and move forward. Do you know the name Stanley Kaplan? Like Kaplan Books? Stanley Kaplan established the, um, the Kaplan the SAT preparation. Yeah. He came from Madison High School. Wow! It produced him, Stanley Kaplan. I think there's someone Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Yep. <laughs> she was my classmate. May she rest in power. She was wow. May she rest in power. What a good thing to say. Yeah, she had gorgeous long, gorgeous long hair. She was beautiful, hard to believe, because she was funny looking in the end. Grandma, she was not funny looking in the end. She was old. She was old. Yeah, <laughs> like me. She You're not old. funny French looking. She was, she, was, she was old. But she, she was beautiful and a great leader in the high school, which I think the high school really encouraged her to be the wonderful person she became. And she uh, was a year older than you? She was one year older, yeah. Wow. And so we, we had a lot to do with each other. She was a twirler. Do you know what that is? No. With a baton, with oh, the yeah. football players. So she was a twirler and I was a cheerleader. That's how we became <laughs> such good friends. That's so such a great it story. Was, it was uh, wonderful times, wonderful times. A great high school, super teachers. It gave me a very solid platform to stand on. It was really quite remarkable because when I, when I lost my dad, I, the whole world came just falling down around my family. But it was my teachers and my high school environment that helped me and my brother became whole because of the support we had. And it still exists as high school? Hmm? This high school still exists? I think it's still quite viable, yeah, because wow. the alumni's contribute every year and we still keep it going. So it's, uh, it, it looked like they were going to die because of the busing situation, mm. the integrating. And many of the high schools had great problems because of it, but because of the alumni association, uh, it's still alive. And uh, now it's completely integrated and it's still producing uh, wonderful kids. It still has excellent teachers. So it's great. Uh, we supervise that. You know, we know that they, they have to be carefully interviewed. It is really a remarkable staff. Yeah. James Madison High School. James Madison High so, School. Yeah. So when Eleni and I visited for Mother's Day, yeah, we had the best time looking through that beautiful scrapbook. Did we do that? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That you created to document. Oh, the whole gang is here you created to document how you met grandpa. And I was hoping that you could talk a little bit about the story of how you fell in love with uh, Bob Rosen. Oh my goodness. Well, as a child, I was always very impetuous. I never thought things out. If things happened and I had a response to things happening, it was immediate. I never thought them out. So here I was. I had a date with a doctor who worked at Maimonides Hospital in Brooklyn. And he took me to a doctor's party at the hospital. And there was a lovely, lovely guy who was playing folk music on the guitar. 
And I was introduced to him and I liked him very much. But wait, this, this is nice. I'm like this. This is very attractive to me. He took my telephone number and um, I was kind of excited. And he called me and he said, I was very, very excited on the telephone. He said, don't get so excited. He said, I'm engaged. <laughs> So, so I said, well, then why did you call me? He said, because I have a very close friend and I would like to introduce you to him. So I said, okay, if, you know, if I can't have you and if you have a nice friend, sure, why not? How so, old are you? I'm 21. And so he sent me Marty Weiler, who is a very, another doctor. And Marty took me out and he took me to the guitarist. The guitarist's name was Bud Newbart. And he took me to Bud's engagement party. And he found several other psychiatrists. And Marty dumped me at the party. And he was just talking medicine with these other psychiatrists. And he, he left me. But there was this really adorable fellow with dimples. He had no date. And he was wandering around looking lonely. And he followed me around all day at the party. And it ended up, he told me he thought that I was Bud Newbart's um, single sister. So he had his eye on me thinking he was the engaged man's, the guitarist's sister. Isn't he related to Bud, though? Yeah. So Bud, if, if, Bud married grandpa's best friend and cousin, Sandy Newbart. Oh, okay. So Sandy. I was going to say, if you, if you were his sister, that would... That wouldn't <laughs> work. No, no. He, he, Sandy is uh, so that, so uh, cousin. related through marriage. Ma okay. Yeah. So he was just so, but he kept on asking me for my telephone number. And I said, you know, I'm here with somebody. I, this is not appropriate. I can't really do this. So I went home and I came home and I said to my mother, I met somebody really wonderful. And he's, he's a doctor. I had a chance to talk to him and I didn't give him my number and he doesn't know who I am and he doesn't really know my name. And he's a nice Jewish doctor. <laughs> my mother said, call Sandy Newbard, call, call the engaged woman and say that you'd like to see her cousin. And that's how it all happened because Bob Rosen, he was in the Air Force and he was stationed at Samson Air Force, oh, way the hell up near, way past Lake George in northern uh, uh, New York State. And so Sandy got in touch with that nice person at Samson Air Force Base and said, you have to call this woman. And he did. And I married him eight weeks later. <laughs> <laughs> That is, and you only saw each other like three times before That's you it. got engaged. Well, what happened was that he sent me, we fell madly in love. And I only met him once at the party. And he sent me an airlines ticket to fly up to Samson Air Force Base. And I said to my mom, I'm going. I said, I'm not asking your permission. She said, well, you know, this. I think this is like written in the sand. So I flew up to um, meet grandpa and we got engaged that weekend <laughs> and I married him right away and I wow the night he came down to visit me and we were sitting in his car and he was telling me and he says you have to know all my quirks and all my bad parts because he said I, I you don't even know me he said but I I I would I would love to marry you and I said well I feel the same way so so let's get engaged right in the car we said we're engaged so he said well we have to tell your mother so we went into my house I woke my mom up I said mom Bob and I are engaged so I thought how she, did she react I thought she would say what <laughs> no she didn't she said thank God because <laughs> I was such a wild stupid young person and she said, thank God, a nice, nice, lovely Jewish doctor. <laughs> How could things go wrong? Thank God. So we, she, she, she got out of bed. Um, you don't really, do you remember my mom? I don't know. The I mean, I her. met her, but briefly. She, oh, she was such a, a marvelous gal. So she said, 
I don't have anything. It's just because I don't drink. She said, but I have a little bit of Harvey Bristol cream, which is what, what dainty ladies used to drink. So she said she put it on ice and we drank to each other and we celebrated that night about three o'clock in the morning. And we celebrated my engagement and I married him eight weeks after the day I met him. And what kind of doctor was he? He was a urologist. <laughs> I used to say, does your mother know what you do? <laughs> <laughs> Looking up people's urethras. This is, this is really, why did you choose to do that? It's sort of, ugh. He, he said, well, it happened that when I was applying for my residency, that was the only space that was open. So uh -huh. I took it. And he got and a lot I, of clients. And, yeah, and he got a <laughs> So he, that's how he became a urologist. So we had a good life together. We were there, we were together almost 59 years before he died. Wow. So that's a long time because it's, you know, it's never a smooth ride. And there are plenty of rocky roads with two people and with different backgrounds and we did well. We had three children and I know I have three children and five grandchildren and and all good stuff came from that. Yeah. So what advice would you give to someone like me? Who's a little older than you were when you had, gosh, your third child, <laughs> but who's single in a metropolitan area. How how do I find a Bob Rosen or a nicer version of Bob Rosen? <laughs> what I, qualities should I look for? Your, your world is so different from the world I knew. The single world is, is very different now. And it was a very protected single world that I was in. Uh, nobody slept together. Nobody lived together. Uh, it was very, very different. And so I don't know how things work. But I would say if you want to share your life, if you want to meet somebody whom you can feel very deeply about, uh, you have to put yourself in the right space and share that space with somebody who might want to be in that space with you. It's the only way I can think of because, you know, when I met Grandpa, I, that was a that was a magical happening. I didn't go searching. I was twenty one. I had no idea that I was going to hook up with somebody. I, it was it, it just didn't happen in those days. Mm -hmm. Usually, you would meet somebody. You'd wait a year, and I I kept saying to myself, I never want to wait a year, or two, or three, being engaged for six or six. <laughs> yeah, I, it just didn't happen. But I think that what you have to do is, if I were in your shoes. I think what I would do is think about what things are important to me politically, musically, taste-wise, in many different ways. And then I guess I would try to be in a position where these things happen and maybe there would be other people who would share those opinions a with common me. common interests, yeah. Yeah, that's and I think that's what I would do. It's interesting because I worked on the Obama campaign and I met some people with whom I developed very close relationships with. And my friendships have remained and they will always remain because we shared a very important thing that was happening. And we really, these are women I met and I, I, I'm still very close with them. I think that it's that kind of thing I think if I were you, I would place myself in a space where I might be lucky enough to be able to share my interests and my loves with somebody who feels the same way. Yeah, that's good advice. And I, I try to do that, I think, with, with Austin, you know? I think the city, I get that feeling. The people I surround myself with, yeah. we all share a lot in common and um, have a lot of the same values, same passions. So think, yeah, so you're doing it. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, you're doing it, and I think you know. Have you made any close, really close friends in your new environment? Because this oh, is yes. a new, a new life for you. Absolutely, very close friends. So this is this is very important, and these things last. Yeah, we have we have ways to to keep in touch always. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? 
For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. So what brings you joy? What brought you joy when you were young and in love with grandpa, when you had kids? Um, And then what brings you joy now? Oh, my I would say more than anything, it's my family. When I lost grandpa, I felt like I lost my arm. Uh, he, was, he was my right arm. He was my left arm. He was my, my thinking powers. He was, um, he gave me a lot of strength and I, 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 I miss that very much. But my family, I'm very, very fortunate because Grandpa and I made a combination of genes that made wonderful people. And I have three terrific children with grandchildren that they have produced. And I'm so grateful for that because, you know, there are, not everybody has that. And there are many people who are very lonely. But I'm looking at you, and I'm saying, you know, look at you. Wow. You're smart and warm and, and caring. You're doing a good job so far with yourself. I'm very, very happy and very proud. Thank you. That you've glued yourself into a very nice, or taken all the pieces and glued them all together. And look what I'm looking at. I try. I mean, I learn from the best. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. If, if if you feel that maybe the gluing of together, uh, the gluing together, came from learning from from me and from the people who have gone before you, then that's a good thing. Yeah. Actually, now that you mention it, I'm going to try not to cry, but. You lost grandpa a little over, or almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. And not 
too long after that, I lost, um, you know, one of my dearest friends. I know that. And the letter you wrote me after that, I have it hung up because the words you said resonated with me more than the words of anyone else. Oh, Zoe. <laughs> because you know what pain is like. That kind of pain. Uh, it, takes, it tears your heart out. Mm-hmm. It, it tears your heart out. I have to look at it again because that's, it's what, two, three years? Four. Four. It'll be five this Christmas. It's that long. God, Christmas morning. I still remember you're lying on the floor crying and we didn't know what had happened and you had just gotten the telephone numbers terif- telephone the worst call of my life yeah so and that and that is one of the most important things that has happened in your life really shaped shaped my everything world. that's right it will shape your profession too it it has everything. i would never be a psychotherapist <laughs> if this hadn't happened it put me on a how are you going to you know, I th- worry about it because being a psychotherapist is a, inter- lot. is a lot, it's interesting, but it also can be a very, very heavy. You get a lot of compassion fatigue. Yeah. And I'm worried about that. Do you think you can handle it? Um, <laughs> yes and no. I mean, I think one of the reasons I'm going to school, obvious, well, obviously to get licensed, but is to gain the skills to be able to handle it. So to be able to, how they explain it is you can't let what people tell you, you can't let that sink in. You have to let it bounce off. How do you do that? You practice, you do self-care, you get your own therapist. You close up your heart. You don't close up your heart. You just don't internalize other people's problems, which is hard because a lot of people who go into this field, including myself, are empathetic and empaths feel other people's pain. But, you know, every therapist has their own therapist. So I'll continue having a therapist. Have you connected with somebody very special and important? Oh, I've, I've had several therapists throughout my life, but I'll probably get someone who works with other therapists down the line. And... I think it also, you have to choose, you know, a niche market or a a client base that you can relate to, but but that doesn't trigger you. So perhaps I wouldn't focus on young men who Mm. are suicidal. Mm, mm, mm. Or maybe I'd gain the, you know, the like objectivity to be able to handle things like that. But it's going to be interesting. And you have to focus on young men because I think that suicide is much more prevalent among the male population, which is very interesting. Yeah, But, I mean, yeah, that's a long way of saying thank you for being there for me at that time. Ah, God, I just, if I could have rolled you up in a ball and put you in my heart and kept you with me, I would have done it. I know. That was a... It broke my heart. It really did. Well, I love you. I love you too. So aye, aye, aye. I want to move on to the next part. Okay. You've been to some of the most interesting <laughs> cities and countries mm-hmm. of anyone I know. <laughs> um, so first I want you to kind of tell some of your most wild stories of places you've been. Oh my God. I you know my brain, my memory is fading because I, it's... I, but you have yeah. everything memorialized in your house. <laughs> <laughs> you have penis cords hanging over. That was from New Guinea. I, I would say that that was probably the strangest thing I've ever done. <laughs> Grandpa, he was such an adventurous person that, you know, I remember on several occasions I would say, Bob, look at this brochure. This is so exciting. Grandpa and I had worked on several excavations in Guatemala and in um, uh, Jerusalem because we joined as volunteers with an outfit called Earthwatch. And their job was to find volunteers for important projects. 
many of which were projects run by anthropologists. Was this before or after you had kids? Um, before. Okay. No, after. No, I think I had I, I had my family already. Yeah. yeah, it was after. Yeah, it was after. Yeah, you were all in school. Everybody was in school. And they hated when we left, so that's for sure. <laughs> but Grandpa, you know, I would say to, to Grandpa, Bob, look at this. Earthwatch has a new project with an anthropologist named Beirute Galdikas. And she's working with orangutans in Borneo. And she needs volunteers. Now, if I had married somebody who is a Jmi, <laughs> And what does that mean? Like, as a jerk. <laughs> I, it never would have happened, but his eyes lit up and he said, I will arrange it. And it was at the beginning, we signed up with Earthwatch. Grandpa did it. We made the arrangements. We were going to fly to Borneo. We were going to sign up as volunteers for the orangutan project. And Galtikas got into trouble with the government of Borneo because she was renting out, she married a, a chief from one of the villages, and she was using his properties, and she was renting and renting the properties out to tourists, which you weren't allowed to do. And the government of Borneo rescinded her passport, oh. so she was thrown out of the country. <laughs> so Grandpa said, we're going to go anyway. <laughs> and we did. And we went to Borneo, and we found a guide, and we we toured everywhere. We had this wonderful guide named Harry. He was actually from Bali and fell in love with these wonderful animals. I you had, got to hold the orangutans. I, yes. I, and I had Jackie, the orangutan. He was a baby orangutan. He was about 10 years old. And he fell in love with me. And we, we walked into the feeding station for the, for the small young orangutans. And Jackie leaped up onto my chest and never let me go. He was like an orangutan baby with its mother. (laughs) And I walked around for two days because we were staying in a little bungalow. And as soon as we would come out, we would take a boat, a little boat, back to the the feeding station area. And Jackie would see me from the treetops and run down the tree run down the dock and leap onto my chest and he was mine for another day. Oh. So he had Jackie. You're not allowed to do that anymore, right? You're not no, allowed to... No, you can't. Oh. No, because you can, you can distribute all sorts of disease, possible horrible things, but nobody was watching. And so there was another, an older orangutan named Pankut. And Pankut was very upset because Pankut had adopted Jackie. And he thought that I was taking away his his charge. And so he followed me around through the jungle with Grandpa and the guide. And I turned around and I said, Pankut, I'm not taking Jackie. Hold my hand. And he didn't understand, didn't understand English. <laughs> and I put out my hand and I have those photographs. Of you, oh, yeah. Of Pankut. We walked through the jungle with Jackie on my chest and Pankut holding my hand. And I had these two friends. It was it was absolutely magical. It was just such a wonderful, wonderful thing. I have that huge photograph in my front hall of of me with the two orangutans. They're like people. Yeah. So I would say that's probably one of the most exciting, wonderful things that I did with Grandpa. But we did things like that. Yeah. uh, We also New Guinea with the. We're in New Guinea, the tribe. Yeah, so. we hiked from village to village in the mountains of uh, New Guinea. Didn't Grandpa ask for one of the the penis cords straight off of the guy? No, 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 no. That's a, that's a legend. <laughs> no, he uh, he actually the um, there was one man in one of the villages. Now he was wearing a penis gourd. They grow gourds in their garden, shake out the seal the seeds, and they take the vines from the pandemus palm and they tie these gourds around their waist and put the gourds on their penises. And the women wear grass skirts that's still there and they're bare breasted and but the men wear these gourds around their penises so they could be private. But no, this guy had a, a wonderful necklace of shells 
that he had cut. And Grandpa said, may I, he did it in sign language, I'd like to buy your necklace. And he did, I still have it. Mm. And the story was it was covered with his sweat and I didn't want to wear it. (laughs) So my guide said, well, you know, we'll do something, we'll soak it in something. So he soaked it in ammonia. And of course, all the all the weaving, you know, everything was woven together with the pandemic palm string, and it all disintegrated and fell apart. So I have a picture. We were up in the highlands of, of New Guinea, and I brought all the pieces, and I gave them to one of the men who also had a similar necklace and asked him to reweave the necklace. And I have a picture of him sitting with the pieces of the palm tree between his toes. It was really disgusting. <laughs> between his toes, and he would hold the, the threads between his toes, and he wove this wonderful lattice work around the, um, the shells. Wow. I still have it, and I still wear it. <laughs> Do you still wear it? Still has toe juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'll show it to you. I still wear it. I want to see it. Yeah, this is great looking. So you know, it was it was a. I would not have ever had these marvelous adventures if I had ended up with a a loser with a real loser. <laughs> you know, yeah. Grandpa, he was ready to do anything that if I said this looks wonderful, he would make the arrangements and off we went. Well, I think that's definitely been passed down. Yes, to mom. <laughs> To All me, of you. that's right. We definitely have that sense of, uh, of wanderlust. <laughs> you know that there was a time I'm trying to try to. Well, Grandpa and I spent a lot of time in Belize, which we both fell in love with, and he developed congestive heart failure in Belize, and the villagers took care of Grandpa. Really, he was he was a doctor, and he knew what to do, and he was plying himself with all sorts of medications and stuff. And they, we became very close with some of the village people. And when he died, I went back. I, I was scared to death. I never thought I'd ever travel again without Grandpa. And I made plans to go to Belize with a friend of mine who wanted to travel with me. And she, she backed out the last minute. And, and you your, still went. Yeah. Your mom said to me, Mom, you can do this. You've been there. They would remember you. He'd remember daddy. You can do this. So she had already made the arrangements for me. And she said, go. And I did with my heart in my mouth. Really not very brave. But I still have a relationship with many of those people. We, we are in touch with each other. And I have been to weddings of some of these villagers. Uh, babies have been born from these marriages. And and we're very close. And I, I send clothes to the babies when I go down. Well, I haven't been there since the pandemic. They closed the country. Oh. The borders were closed because I used to go back every February. Yeah, And true. with a, a wonderful greeting. I was just really, um, I, it, what is ama- amazing is that I take the plane to Belize City and they have a driver from one of the villages waiting for me. And then he takes me to this beautiful river where there's a small speedboat. I wish you could do this with me. The speedboat uh, waiting for me. And he piles my duffel bag into the speedboat. And we zoom up the river. And we end up at Lamanai Outpost Lodge, where you have been. Yeah. And I have a relationship I still with the, with the villagers and with the guides. I One of their major uh, photographs is of me sitting on the steps of the lodge where people eat on the outside porch with me and the kitchen crew. Really? The whole kitchen crew, yeah. And they wrote back to me, uh, Mark, the owner of Lemonai, he said, this is one of the official pictures of Lemonai. Wow. I'm aching to go back. We'll go together next time. You can you could come as my guest. I would really love that. I spoke to your mom about that. She said, "Well, that would be too much of a burden for Zoe <laughs> and for the grand." I said, no. I take the grandkids, and she said, "If something happens to you, just be me." 
Well, we'll see. But I, I would love to do that before I get too old and run out of money. So I, <laughs> I would Sounds love to good. do that. That wouldn't that be? You've been there, so yeah. you know how charming it is. It's, it's beautiful. I take that boat zooming up the river, and my friends wait on the dock for me, and my guide Brenda waits for me. I'm in touch with all of them. That's amazing. So it's. I would love to do it again if I can. I would love to. Well, of all of the places you've been in the world, I feel like there's one place that has a special place in your heart. I'm trying to give you a, a softball here, Grandma. It's in upstate New York. Ah, uh, okay. So if you okay. could talk I'm about sorry. the most I... beautiful place you've ever seen. Well, you know, the reason why I didn't jump right away is because that's another world. Yeah, you know, that's a whole so. other Whole other podcast episode, but give thing. us a little, yeah, that's another, little something. Another world. I think I should go back a little bit. In yeah. the 1930s, my dad wrote a letter to my mom. They were not yet married. And I have the letter, which I copied and sent to all my children, which you should see. You've seen it? I've seen it. I think yes. they have it hung up. Yes. And he said, sweetheart, I have just found the most wonderful place in the world. And I know in my heart that I will, we will always, we will spend our summers there. That's, that, that was the beginning of Lake wow. George. And he and his buddies had gone to Lake George on a whim. And they started motorboating to the islands. I have the photographs of them on the islands of Lake George camping in black and white. And, and it, was, it was real. Mm-hmm. And that was 1930. And it became, you know, they never, interestingly, they never, they used to go back there and camp with their friends, with their friends. They never took me and my brother. I think they thought it was too dangerous to take little kids. Kind of was. <laughs> it was very primitive. Yeah. <laughs> so we never, we never went there. We had a babysitter and they would go to Lake George and camp. But camping at Lake George was very different from what it was later on. They used to get in touch with Lake George Camping Company, which would set up these fancy tents with, with uh, wooden uh, tent platforms. And you would have a, a kitchen tent and a sleeping tent. And th- this is what, the way my parents camped in Lake George. Eventually, it became something quite different. It's much more primitive. <laughs> but when I married Grandpa... I knew in my heart that I married somebody who was made of the same juice that I wanted. And so he and I started, I was pregnant with Johnny with a big belly. That was the first time that Johnny ever went to Lake George. (laughs) It was in my belly. And uh, we had an old camping tent from, uh, I think it was an Air Force surplus tent. Didn't even have a floor. And I think we had two cots it was very different from what we used to do. And uh, Grandpa and I started camping on the islands of Lake George. And from that point on, we never missed a summer. And here we had children. We brought our children up there. Summers uh, were, were for Lake, Jolo, Lake George. Yeah. And our kids learned how to camp up there and set up their tents and, and make a home each time we went we would set up a home and we, we used the privy and it was my job to clean the privy. You know, you didn't privy's clean Privy's an outhouse. Let's, it's an outhouse. Let's not make it sound nicer <laughs> than it is. I used to take a, a picture, I think it was a painting, a picture of a painting and I would hang it in the privy and pour some, what did I use? I think I used, I think I, I bought something like witch hazel, something that had a very, very mm-hmm. strong smell and I would pour it down the hole so it wouldn't stink because the outhouses really were pretty horrible. But uh, it was my job to pretty it up and I would take oil cloth or contact paper and I would put it on the seat so it looked nice and pretty colored toilet paper <laughs> and it was usable. It was and so that was my job. <laughs> and that's how our life in Lake George began. Yeah. And we haven't, we just haven't, we haven't it's lost a summer. A summer. How many years has it been? I think we hit 64. Wow. Because Johnny was in my belly, you know, the first time. So he's, I think Johnny is 64. He was born after our first encampment at uh, Lake George. Yeah. And this has been uh, the most important family thing that we've ever done. None of our travels match that. No matter where we ever went and traveled to, it never 
matched no. the beauty of that wonderful place. So many memories. It was yeah. It was it was really really very important. And I that you know the only thing is if you've ever experienced a double rainbow over over Lake George, I, there's nothing that can ever match that. I have that picture. I still have that picture of the double rainbow from Glen Island. Well, the most important thing is when that picture was taken, something very important had happened. I don't know whether you know about it. When Grandpa died, he was cremated, mm-hmm. and we took his ashes, and yeah. you all participated, and we all put his all on a beautiful sunlit day, late afternoon, and we got into the boat and we all took turns and we put grandpa's ashes in the water in his fishing area. Mm-hmm. And right that after the same that... Day? What? That was the same day? Um, maybe. I'm not sure. We'll say it's the same okay. day. Okay. But we did that and then we put his ashes in the water and we had a big rainstorm and there was suddenly a double rainbow across the lake Mm -hmm. and everybody started screaming it's grandpa do you remember that yeah yes i think it was the same day Uh, maybe not it may have been immediately after we'll just say it's the same day it makes it more yeah more special well it's a legend now yeah i mean even just going there every summer made me so tough like yes because only recently did we get a house we camped (laughs) for two weeks every summer and i have a funny story i remember you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't shower for two weeks <laughs> because the water was clean enough. And one time when I was pledging a sorority, we had to do silly things like I won't use the word hazing, but we had to do silly things where, you know, the people would yell at us and make us do things. It's a different story. But and they'd ask us random questions. And so we'd be in planks like on the ground, like, you know, when you do a plank for um, oh yeah, a yeah. core workout. And they were asking all these different questions. And for me, they go, Zoe, what's the longest you've been without bathing? And without a second, I said two weeks. (laughs) And everyone went silent (laughs) and looked at me like I was absolutely disgusting because I didn't think about the fact that without context, that sounds really disgusting. (laughs) So I'm like two weeks. And I couldn't speak after that. I couldn't explain that. Oh, don't worry. It was when we were camping and the water was almost drinkable and it was really clean. So yeah, everyone from then on thought I was the most like disgusting person in the (laughs) freshman class. (laughs) That's pretty funny. Now we have a shower there. Now we have, you know, water and toilets. So I, I tell you, I, it's, that still doesn't feel right to me. (laughs) I'll take a, I'll take the, the nice clean. Now, Now that I go up, I'm a little bit thankful that we have we have a no shower. Plumbing. And yeah, I remember the day when they brought the septic tanks in and, and they actually, well, the story is really important because this is part of history. The story is important because we were camping on Mohican, Mohican Island, mm-hmm. and your mom was tooling around in the boat. And yeah, she, I was, well, I don't think I was with her when she I found think, it. I, can't, I was there the second oh, time. Oh, you weren't there? Oh, well then I'll, whoever's, whatever person's. I think it was Noah. Pod, maybe. And she she saw this big banner that said for sale on one of the islands. And she was going up the channel with the boat. It was like for sale, great deal. Under a million. It was something, yeah, something number of. 450 eight. feet of shoreline. Yeah. Two, two cabins, two mm-hmm. docks, a canoe, and you know, went down the whole Includes list. the boat. <laughs> yeah, and a boat. And she went hightailing to our campsite and she said, everybody get in, everybody get in. And she took us directly to the island. She had already called the owner who Doug. met us. And what was it? Three, three months later, I think. I think it was three months later. Is that same summer that they were like, we're doing it. Yeah. And Jamie, John and Peggy bought the property. Mm-hmm. So after camping for all 64 years, very happily, uh, you know, we all loved it, but we now own a rock yeah. in Lake and George. And it's beautiful. And yes, and every summer everybody congregates. It's a dream come true for my family. Cause and I'll be there in a week. <laughs> so I'm over. I'm overlapping with you. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I have to start packing. No, you don't. Well, I have to unpack. There's like I, nothing you need to bring except 
workout clothes and bathing bathing suits, suits and underwear. Yeah, yeah. then you're and, good to and go. warm and warm clothing and warm clothes because of the weather. It's it can be very unpredictable. Very very cold if you're not properly prepared. I just bring a duffel bag. I have a, a list. And oh, you do. Always, it's always in my. Do you ever? Bag. Yeah, <laughs> list for the lists. So, so, do you love it? I do. I love it very much. I, I have so many memories. It's. I mean, it's my childhood. Mine too. You know, and yeah. all of the pictures, yeah. looking through them, which we can do after this. Just, you know, you see a picture and you remember something funny that Danny said, like when he, <laughs> Grandma, was, you got bacon. <laughs> he was. Do you remember when he was eating that I chocolate Hagen Dazs bar? Oh God! <laughs> and he's butt naked on Glen Island, and he has it all over himself. And he and mom is like, Danny, don't don't touch me, don't touch me. <laughs> and he goes over and hugs <laughs> and hugs mom. And then it was either mom or Julie. I think Julie, it was Julie starts was chasing him around Glen Island, <laughs> picking him up. He was like three years old, throws him in the water and dumped him and just throws <laughs> this little three year old kid in the water. Or when he went up to the that guy who had a, um, most of these stories are just about Danny. When he went up to the guy with the jet ski and he goes, my mom said those things aren't good for the environment. Oh, is that, I don't and remember then, that. Yeah, he went up, there was a jet ski parked at Glen Island. He's like, my mom says those things aren't very good for the environment. Oh, and God. the guy says, your mom's probably right. <laughs> he's his character. Now he's six feet, almost six feet tall and he has a girlfriend. Do you know what Danny's doing? I know, he's going to grad school for like engineering. More than that. You know where they are now? He has... Isn't he in Nashville? Not yet. Danny, he graduated from the Colorado School of Mines as an engineer. I know, it's really And he's going to Vanderbilt, which is grad school. But he has a very brilliant girlfriend named Becca. Yeah. Yeah. And she's a... I don't know. She specializes in the rocks and what goes in the rocks. I don't know what she is. But geologist? The, a what? Geologist? Yeah, she's a ge- geologist. So the two of them, when they graduated, as soon as they graduated, they packed their backpacks and took off on the Colorado Trail 500 miles. That is where they are now. And rain or shine, they have to make it because by the 30th of the month, they both have to go to grad school. They have to make it. Are they it. going to the same place? No. 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 It's, I don't know what's going to happen. No, it's a it's very, it. very tight Well, that's couple. very John and Julie of them. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> that sounds exactly like their parents. So I think she's going to Stanford. And, wow. 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 And he's going to Vanderbilt. So he Who would have thought be, that kid doing... <laughs> crazy stuff he would he would like do what are those called like backflips in the water butt naked <laughs> <That's> our- <laughs> <laughs> or when he was little he would lie with a noodle just between right. his legs floating around like Daniel <laughs> Daniel totally crazy and John would try, try to convince us that there was skeletons in the oh, water shaking the trees and oh. going ooh it's, you know, nut memories. What wonderful memories. And that's just our generation. I mean, the memories of grandpa when he broke the steering wheel and had to turn the Move boat with, with, his, the rear end. with his butt on I the thing. he was sitting on the motor. He was sitting on the motor yes. and they're like, dad, your wallet's falling out. Dad, your wallet's falling out. I'm fine. God. I'm fine. All of a sudden the wallet flies out of the water. John! Get in the water. <laughs> and it floated away. Yeah, we I mean, never found sad. it. We never found it. He was so furious at grandpa. <laughs> it's going around and around in circles. Gone. Or when um, <laughs> when we were being really loud when we were younger and mom's convinced that people came onto our campsite in the middle of the night and were like doing the conga line, singing, dancing on their campsite. <laughs> Just a lot of stories. <gasps> Someone should write a book. Well, Peggy, I think Peggy's doing that, actually. Really? Peggy, Peggy's a writer, and whoever's listening. Peggy is my youngest child, and she's a writer, and she called me up sometime before last summer, I think. I hope that she's going to do this. And she had me put up the screen and the... 
Zoom. The, the Zoom and everything. And I put the photographs of the uh, of all our years, and we went through each year because I had notes for every every year. And she said, "I want you to talk about each year." So she that's great wrote, and she was she kept on writing, and I don't know what's happening with that now, but she's going to put that together. That will be a gift to be the a family. New York Times bestseller. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> But it's with all the stories, all my memories, because each island campsite that we had had its own story. Yep. So that's that's what we're going to have. That's it's very special. Very grateful. Yeah, very, very, very special. Okay. I still remember, I'll tell you a funny story. Okay. It's a very personal story, but it's not personal anymore. Grandpa and I had a romantic evening. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> where is this going <laughs> it was we were on the rock just outside the, one of the areas where the tents were and you kids I, th- I think maybe it's not with the grand- grandchildren maybe it was with our children and they were sleeping in the tent and it was too close to the tent and it woke the children up that we, we didn't realize that, you know, we had no privacy. We had that was right next to the tent. And not only that, but that somebody with a canoe had just, you know, there's no noise when a canoe, when you're riding a canoe, you just hear the sound of the paddles. So, so, we, someone, had, so we had the children on one side and then this, this canoe passed by and they said, sorry, and passed by. So there's no privacy for anything on a campsite. Okay, duly noted. (laughs) So my last question for you. Yeah. What would you wish for me and my life? Oh, Zoe. Oh, my goodness. I would love to see you find somebody who will share your life. And I hope that happens. Because, you know, every relationship is not smooth and it's always a, a rocky road and I had a wonderful time with grandpa but I also had many rocky roads with him but I had a partner with whom I could share things that I loved I hope that someday you will have that kind of relationship where you can share the good things and the bad things and that is a wish I have for you just Good things and bad things are what make the person and being able to share them, share the joy and share the worries. Yeah. It lightens the burden, but it also solidifies the relationship. So I I hope that that will happen. Me too. But more than anything, I think, I just hope I'm, I'm happy. I... For happiness. What I see now is a satisfaction, a self-satisfaction that you have. Yeah. That I'm very much aware of. It's, you have become a very strong, sturdy I'm a very person. strong, independent woman. <laughs> I see that. I've, I was never like that. You know, I was a soft, mushy person. <laughs> and I married when I was just 21, and, and I loved having a partner, but it also made me soft. I, I didn't, I, it didn't make me a strong person I relied upon my partner and that's not healthy either but look at you now look at me now yeah I'm okay I'm 88 and I'm still standing tall and I thank God I'm I wish I I wish I had somebody in my life you do new beginnings yeah and you have us yeah actually second question yes am I your favorite grandchild (laughs) oh I it's not fair to ask me that I think you. I think you. Have, I know you have the answers. You're my. Let's say you are my first grandchild, and first is, well, no, the saying is well, not going to help me. <laughs> you're my first grandchild, too, and and I didn't know anything about grandparenting. I only had one grandparent, my grandma, my my dad's mom. Everybody else was gone. Uh, I always thought people only had one grandparent. I didn't know anybody had. Well, a now grandpa- I have one grandparent, but yeah. Yeah. When I was younger, I'd, I guess I had more. Yeah. I did have more. Yeah. But you taught me how to grandparent. I'm going to cry because if I taught you, then you've 
blown grandparenting out of the ballpark. You were the best person I could ever have in my life. Oh my God. Uh, but you know, the the uh the theory of having a charismatic adult, I think I told you this on on Mother's Day, but oh my gosh, I'm like really don't cry. Um it's okay to but cry. for listeners, people people listening, there is this, I guess, I don't know if it's a theory or someone brought it up to mom that every person has a charismatic adult in their life who reminds them of their power, reminds them of how special they are and helps shape them into the person they are. And when mom asked me that, when she was visiting me in Austin, she asked me and my group of friends who I was with, who our charismatic adult was. And without a doubt, it's you. You Um, have always been, oh my God, you've always been the person to whatever I need to just remember the good qualities of myself. I know who to call because you've always made me feel important. It will never change. It will never change. From the time you were a tiny little tyke. It will never change. I I always knew that I could be an important, strong pillar in your life. I love you so much. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.